The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Father, we ask that you send your word to us again this morning. Speak to us. Let us hear your voice. Let us understand the mysteries of your kingdom and help us to embrace the things you are communicating to us in this season that we can live the life you've called us to live in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. I want to bring the first part of this Total Life Transformation series to a close today. Um, this first part of the message, we are talking about new creation wisdom, how we can um, transform our lives and really the world around us by functioning in the wisdom of God, divine wisdom. This is the fourth um, sermon we are having in this series. And I want to start this morning by just circling back to something we talked about in one of the previous messages, the color of wisdom. Um, we said spiritual things can be abstract to many people. And, um, but what God did in the scriptures is to give us pointers to know when we are walking in these things. So Luke 7.35, once again, let's start with that text this morning. Wisdom is justified by her children. Jesus made that statement. At the end of the day, at the end of the year, at the end of the decade, at the end of your life, we will know whether you've been walking in wisdom from the results that we show, the children, the fruits that will come forth. But like we said, you can't wait till the end of the year to find out whether you have been using wisdom. This is August. By now you should know whether you have been operating in divine wisdom from the different aspects of your life. And we looked at certain scriptures to help us to know, to confirm that we are operating in wisdom. James chapter 3 from verse 13 to 17 was the main text we used then. And in that text we see wisdom and the fruit of the Spirit. If divine wisdom is in place, there will be manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. That text listed about seven things for us there. Meekness, um, not being envious, purity, um, peace. Said so the wisdom of God is peaceable, it's gentle, willing to yield, um, full of mercy, full of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So um, where divine wisdom is operating, um, the fruit of the Spirit will be there. See, sometimes, and you should always remember that the devil is a deceiver, some people will act as if, or it will look like they're operating in wisdom. Um, there are riches there, they have long life, they are speaking the right words, they are saying wonderful things, but where the fruit of the Spirit is missing, um, just know it's not divine wisdom that is sustaining them. And like the scripture told us, there's diabolic wisdom, there's demonic wisdom. Another text we looked at was um, Proverbs 24, talking about wisdom and strength. Um, Proverbs 24 from verse 5, a wise man is strong. Um, by wise counsel, wage your war. And in verse 10, the Bible said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. This COVID crisis is a day of adversity. One way you can know you are functioning and operating divine wisdom is where there's divine strength um, sustaining you and upholding you. And where strength is small or you seem to be weak or you are getting discouraged or you, you just want to um, give up and quit, then you need to tap into wisdom. You need to get wisdom like we've been teaching. This is third one. I mentioned this briefly last week. Let's look deeper into it. Wisdom and the fear of the Lord. 
where divine wisdom is, is operating, um, the fear of the Lord will be there. And by fear of the Lord, we mean reverence for God, um, respecting God, honoring God. Proverbs 1, 7. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 15, 33. This one was repeated over and over again in scriptures. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. I love that. The instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Job 28, 28. It can't be clearer than this. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. That is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Again, fear of the Lord is not that we are afraid that if we do something wrong, God will slap us on the head and he will kill us. No. We, we just have reverence for God. We respect him. And this is not an Old Testament thing. It's not one of those things that passed away with the Old Testament, like the slaughtering of animals to make sacrifices to God. Hebrews chapter 12. And even when you study the New Testament, you see so many references to believers, New Testament believers, new creation believers walking in the fear of the Lord. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, hallelujah, coronavirus, COVID-19, global pandemic cannot. It can never shake the kingdom of God. Glory be to God. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. How? With reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. That's not to say that God is going to destroy with his fire. But it just tells us how awesome God is. And we should revere him. And what the, scriptures, um, what the scripture is teaching us here is that when we reverence God, when we honor God, we will walk in his wisdom. Or we can say it this way, if we are walking in divine wisdom, that reverence for God will be there. Um, you demonstrate godly fear by the way you respond to the things of God. God is not physically here on the earth with us. Sometimes I wish that was the story. Honestly, if you see God with your eyes, you will fear him. Just like John saw him in the book of Revelations on the Isle of Patmos. Godly fear will grip you. Not that again he was afraid that Jesus was going to kill him. He just was in awe of him. That vision he saw. The Bible said he fell on his face. And he just reverenced him. The same way you and I will respect and reverence someone that we hold in high esteem. In fact, much more than that. So if the president walked into your office or your CEO from the global headquarters came to your, your local branch where you work, you will respect him, you will revere him, and God much more. So when people don't walk in the fear of the Lord, it's just a testament to the fact that they have no consciousness of the presence of God around them. And that's the challenge. God isn't physically here with us. But there are certain things that God has left here with us on earth. And we demonstrate reverence for God um, by the way we respond to those things. So I can measure the reverence you have for God when I see the way you respond to God's word and God's spirit. Yes, God isn't physically here with us, but he has sent his word to us. And the word is here. He has sent his spirit to us. The spirit of God is here. I can measure your reverence from God when I look at the way you respond to the church of God, the, the people of God. I'm talking both the members and the ministers of God. How you treat God's people. 
how you treat God's church. It's a testament to the reverence and the respect and the honor you have for God. And I can also measure your reverence for God or your fear for God um, by measuring or looking at how you handle the will of God. And I want to focus on that briefly this morning, the will of God. Matthew 28 from verse 18. This will probably be the top of God's will for us in this generation. Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Take note of that word. We're going to refer to it a lot in this teaching. Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We call that the Great Commission. That is God's will. God's primary will for us. And how we respond to that will of God that has been given to us and shown to us here on earth is a will that we demonstrate our reverence for God. That's how we can measure whether you really fear God today. Now, keep that text, Matthew 28, in one hand. Uh, my mother will say, put it in your left hand so you won't use it to eat ever. Just keep that in, in one hand. And look with me at Proverbs 11.30 because this is really where I'm going today. Let me give you the main color of wisdom I want us to talk about in this uh, message today. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Hallelujah. It's just that straightforward. He that wins souls is wise. The reverse is equally true. He that does not win souls is foolish. Um, the, you know, sometimes scriptures, and particularly the teachings of Jesus, it's written in parables. But then there are sometimes it just comes straightforward and as simple as it's stated here. He that wins souls is wise. It takes a devil to misunderstand that. And it's talking about the fact that soul winning, like we read in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it is God's will. It is God's will. And when you are doing that, when you are winning souls or you're engaged in soul winning, you, you are doing the will of God. And really you are demonstrating the fear of the Lord. And that means you are walking in the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. I, I love the way it taught about winning souls there. The, the righteous, look at this, the metaphor he gave us. The fruit of the righteous. It's about bearing fruit. It's a tree of life. Jesus referenced that in his teaching in John 15. John 15 from verse 1, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 16, because of time, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruits. Hallelujah. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Praise God. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, I may give it to you. I love what the angel that brought a revelation to Daniel said in Daniel 12 and 3. Daniel 12 and 3, those that are wise, we're talking about wisdom here. New creation wisdom. Wisdom that can transform your life and transform the world around you. Those that are wise, they will shine like the brightness of the firmament 
and those that turn many to righteousness. What a phrase. Like the stars forever and ever. Turning many to righteousness. Soul winning. The will of God. That's what we are talking about this morning. Now, total life transformation. Um, that's the main thing we are, we are teaching on. And when we talk about changing your life or changing the world, and I, I want to include that in this um, teaching about transformation. It's not just about your life. It's also about changing the world around you. Every one of us is supposed to be doing that and experiencing that from where you are. Whether you are a research scientist or you are working in a pharmaceutical company, the leading pharmaceutical companies that is searching for this vaccine that the world is looking for at this time. That's like the number one job on the face of the earth today. Whether that's where you are, you are that research scientist in that lab, or whether you are in the corridors of power, maybe in Asso Rock or the White House, and you are leading or advising the governments of the world on how to handle this global pandemic. Or maybe you're a minister of the gospel, um, serving a local church somewhere and helping people to navigate spiritually, navigate their way spiritually or in several other ways that we do in church through this global crisis. Or you are a business person, you are a career professional, you are helping your clients and your customers day after day to, um, you are providing them with solutions from their day-to-day -day needs and their day-to-day -day challenges. Or maybe you are just a student. You are pursuing an education somewhere or you are pursuing a particular degree. Or maybe you are just a parent at home raising a child. And I believe I've practically covered everybody in every walk of life. It doesn't matter where you are or who you are. We all need to be operating in divine wisdom. Praise God. All of us, from the greatest to the least of us, the biggest to the smallest of us, male, female, boy, girl, every one of us needs to be operating in divine wisdom. And a big part of that divine wisdom is whether uh, what we are doing, um, how we are kind of what we are doing, and the things we are doing, whether it's drawing people to Jesus or not. Where the way you carry out what you do, a student, um, a business person, a preacher, if you are doing it in such a way that it's turning many to righteousness and drawing people to Jesus, you are wise. If you are not, you are not working in divine wisdom. Whatever wisdom you may be using to get the results you are getting, it's not the God kind of wisdom. So, Proverbs chapter 4, once again, when it tells us to get wisdom, get understanding. And when it tells us wisdom is the principal thing, Proverbs 4, 5, all the way to 7, get this wisdom. Get this kind of wisdom. The wisdom that wins souls. He that wins souls is wise. He that wins souls is wise. Praise God. I want us to learn wisdom from the early church this morning. The early church in the book of Acts. You see, there are, there are three kinds of churches that were profiled for us in scriptures. There was the wilderness church. We've been talking about them all month long. They missed it. And we should learn from their mistakes. Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 told us their errors were documented for us, so we'll not make their mistakes. There is the early church. They got it right, and there's so much you can learn from them. And then... There were the seven churches in Asia in the book of Revelation. So we'll talk about them um, in some subsequent teachings we'll be having. 
Let's look at the early church this morning and learn wisdom from them. And I want you to know that the early church was a church in crisis. Just like this 21st century church is a church in crisis today. Number one, it was a young church. It was a new church. I mean, three years before then, the, 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 the people were not doing anything in ministry. And they only had three years of training. Number two, their leader, Jesus, he had just been brutally murdered. So there was reason for confusion and fear and terror. And number three, they were, heavy, they were under heavy persecution. Persecuted from every side. Yet they got the job done. And they fulfilled their destiny. How did they do it? Four things. We talked about four things the wilderness church did that they missed it. Let's look at four things the early church got right. Number one, and this is what you need to do to be a soul winner and to turn people to righteousness. Get on with the Father's business. Get on with the will of God. I was telling some of our leaders yesterday, I had a brief meeting with them. Look, COVID-19 has been in this country for four months now. We've been locked down partially or fully for four months now. And I can understand if the disruptions of coronavirus was disturbing you in March and April. I can't understand it if it's disturbing you in August. Anyone that is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and I'm talking particularly concerning the will of God now, it's not COVID-19 that is disturbing you. You are the one disturbing yourself. The initial disruption of COVID-19, like I talked about those doctors last week, you should have gotten over it by now. You should be wiser today to navigate the challenges of COVID-19. The early church got on with the Father's business. Acts 1-7, listen to what Jesus told them. He said to them, they were asking him after he resurrected, wow, you, raised, you resurrected from the dead. They said, are you now about to restore the kingdom to Israel? He told them in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has placed in his own authority. I think some people are just analyzing this post-COVID world too much. Analysis paralysis. It's not for you to start figuring out whether this is the time to restore the kingdom. Let me tell you what you're supposed to be doing. Verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and on the earth of the, uh, all to the ends of the earth. Get on with the Father's business. Mark 16, 20 told us what they did. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them and confirming the word with signs following. Confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. I love the testimony in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. Talking about the early church. After the Holy Ghost came and Peter preached. Verse 41. Those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, one day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Man, that is the wisdom of God at work. It's the power of God as well, but it's also the wisdom of God at work. He that wins souls is wise. That's one major lesson we can learn from that church. They got on with the Father's business. Number two, follow your ordained spiritual leadership. We are learning wisdom from the early church. What they did to get it right. Follow your God-ordained spiritual leadership. Everyone should have a God-ordained spiritual leader. But that's the problem for some people. You've not identified who your leader is, so you don't even know who to follow. Determine who your leader is spiritually, your God-ordained leader. And even if you're a spiritual leader, you should have a God-ordained spiritual leader. Follow that leadership. Follow him. Acts 2.42, talking about the early church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship 
in the breaking of bread and in prayers. I mean, we've been doing that in this ministry all through this crisis. Breaking of bread in prayers. Verse 46. So continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And what was the result? Praising God together, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, those who were being saved. Hallelujah. As they followed their spiritual leadership, God added to the church. And it's bound to know it's God that adds to the church. It took me a while to learn that. Sometimes you think it's your fanciful preaching or your muzzle and all that. No, it's God that adds to the church. Look at their third secret here. As I begin to wrap up this morning. Acts 4.32. Acts 4.32. Their third secret was generosity. Acts chapter 4 from verse 32. Glory be to God. It was a generous church. It was a liberal church. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. The multitude of the believers. Neither did anyone, anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Hallelujah. Look at verse 34. Nor was there any among them that lacked. Glory be to God. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. We are learning from the early church, the wisdom of the early church. And they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they, and, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Verse 36, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. I want you to notice three levels of generosity there. Number one, the whole church was generous. Everybody in the church. There were poor people in that church. In fact, most of them in that church were poor, but everybody was generous. So don't say because you are going through a tough time or you are poor, you can't be generous. They lie of the devil. And it's not the wisdom of God. Number two, there were those that could sell houses and lands. And several of them did that. I mean, they were giving beyond what the average person in the church would give. Then there was the Joseph. I mean, he also sold land. And you need to understand when the Bible writes like that. Because it means his own land was just opposite the White House lawn. I'm sure that land was, it cost one billion dollars. When he brought the offering of his own land, it was much more than anybody else. And there are always people like that in church. Everybody is not on the same level, but everybody can be generous. Hallelujah. And that spirit was flowing in the church. A generous church. Glory be to God. And this is the fourth wisdom I want us to learn from that church. That church that turned many to righteousness. That church that operated in divine wisdom in a time of crisis. In a time of chaos. What was their fourth secret? Every disciple. Every disciple got involved in the work of the ministry. And there was proper delegation of responsibilities. Now, not everyone in the church was a disciple. Like we said last week, to access the impartation of wisdom from your fathers and your father's fathers, take up the responsibility of sonship. There will always be children in the church. But then there will always be sons and disciples. And every one of them was involved. Acts 6 from verse 1, the church had said growing and there were murmurings and complainings. Some people said they were not being taken care of properly. That happens as growth comes. But in verse 2, the Bible tells us the 12 summoned the multitude of disciples. Hallelujah. There was a general multitude. Then there was a multitude of disciples and said to them, 
It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out among you men of good reputation. Look at the conditions they laid down. Full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Hallelujah. Whom we may appoint over this business. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. They divided responsibility based on people's capability. They just didn't give anybody anything to do. Give us men that, number one, have good reputation, men or women. Give us people that are full of the Holy Ghost. And give us people that are full of wisdom. And then in verse 5, the Bible tells us something else that they found. And the same pleased the multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about faith all through this month of August. Full of faith and the Holy Ghost. What was the result? Verse 7, the word of God spread. The number of disciples multiplied greatly. In Jerusalem, and a great many priests, hallelujah, were obedient to the faith. Praise God. They turned many souls to righteousness. They won souls more and more. The moment every disciple got engaged in the work of the ministry and work was delegated according to people's gifts. We closed last week's service talking about your gifts. Remember Ephesians 4, 7? Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And verse 11 of that text. Look at what the Bible says here. He himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the church, for turning many to righteousness, for adding souls to the church. Hallelujah. I don't know what your gift is, but I'm telling you by the Spirit of God and the wisdom of God, learn to submit it to the leadership of the church. You don't have to be a preacher. And like I said earlier, it doesn't matter what field of life you are in. But the ministry gifts are given to equip you to use your own gifts to turn souls onto God. Hallelujah. So when I'm talking about soul winning, I'm not just talking about going to the streets to talk to people and evangelize. That's part of it. I'm talking about the entire cycle. Praying for people, inviting people to church, witnessing to people, following up on people. It's all part of the process establishing people in the church and discipling them, then empowering and equipping them so that they can go out and use their gift. And the cycle starts all over again. Someone that came in as a baby six months ago, he has now been raised to start praying for people, to start inviting people, to start establishing people. The cycle goes on and on. Hallelujah. Glory, glory be to God. Let me close this morning. And we're going to take a few minutes to pray. In Acts chapter 8, so the book of Acts was written in three parts. The first nine chapters, they told us about the secrets of the early church. Then the next few chapters talked about people's individual ministries. People were like Stephen, um, like Paul. All of them were mentioned, like Peter. And then the latter part of the book focused exclusively on the ministry of Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 8, we see another powerful secret here. There was a virus plaguing the church, Acts 8 and 3. His name was Saul. His name wasn't Corona then, that virus, but it was still a virus. As, and as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. A virus was plaguing the church. Like this COVID crisis is plaguing the church and the world today. Verse 4 tells us, those that were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Even in their distress and their persecution and the attack of a virus, they focused on preaching the word. That was their secret. Then Philip came down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. Verse 8 says there was great joy in that city. 
And you know what I noticed about the early church? Look at their testimony in Acts chapter 9. Because they focused on doing the father's business, God stepped down and arrested that virus called Saul. And I decree prophetically today, as we get on what we are supposed to be doing as a church, God will step down and arrest this virus called Corona. The same pattern will be reproduced. Acts 9.31, after God arrested Paul, then the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace. God will give you and your loved ones peace in this season. Hallelujah. They had peace and they were edified. Walking in the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? The wisdom of God. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. Hallelujah. One day Jesus' parents were looking for him. And in Luke, 2, 4, Luke chapter 2 verse 49, he told them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And I want to pose that question to someone today. Four months after lockdown, six, seven, eight months, however you count it, after COVID crisis, are you after your father's business? Or are you distracted after some other things? Are you focused on turning many to righteousness? This was the testimony of the early church in Acts 17 and 6. And it can be your testimony and my testimony as well. These people or these men and women, Acts 17 and 6, who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. Really what they meant is that they have turned the world the right side up. Why? They were operating in divine wisdom and transforming their world and the world around them. Lift your hands with me this morning. Let's just thank God for his wisdom that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank him. Thank him. You can, op- you can walk in this wisdom. You can operate in this wisdom. Thank him. This wisdom is in you already. This is the new creation wisdom. That's what they use in the book of Acts. The wisdom that came from above. And one of its colors, one of its qualities is that it makes all winners out of us. Come on, begin to thank God. And I want you to just consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself afresh. And tell God in this season of my life, by your help and by your grace, I'll be one of those that turn many to righteousness. Wherever I find myself, whoever I am, whatever it is I'm doing, whether it is business or whether it is sports, whether I'm in ministry or in industry, whether I'm at home or abroad, I will be one of those that turn many to righteousness. Come on, bless God, bless God, bless God. In the name of Jesus. So look at this. We have a tale of two churches. All of them were anointed by God. Both of them rather were anointed by God and blessed by God. One of them missed it. One of them got it right. I want to remind you of the errors of the wilderness church again. Psalm 106 verse 13. As we pray again this morning. Psalm 106 13. Look at their four mistakes. I just showed you the four wise things the early church did. Look at the four mistakes again. Number one. They forgot the works of God. They were not thankful, grateful people, and they didn't keep reminding what God had done for them. Number two, they did not wait for God's counsel. They didn't get the wisdom of God. Number three, they lost it exceedingly in the wilderness. And number four, they tested God. They tempted God. We'll talk a lot more about that as we go on in this month. But number three is what I want to focus on this morning. They lost it exceedingly in the wilderness. What does that mean? They were distracted in the wilderness. Rather than focus. You see, lost talks about a burning desire. It's not really a bad thing in itself. It's good when you focus it on God. It's bad when you focus it on other things. And you know, when there are temptations and there's crisis, I, I read reports, they say 
um, a lot of volume has been going up now, watching pornography online, watching Netflix online. So this crisis has, has brought people's attention to other things. The wise thing to do is to focus it on the will of God. Focus it on the will of God. That's how you get wisdom. We've shared on how you can get wisdom. You can pray and ask for wisdom, number one. Number two, you can speak wisdom in a mystery or in other tongues. Last week we talked about you learning wisdom and we are doing that again today, learning wisdom. Number four, you can receive an impartation of wisdom. Like Joshua received an impartation when Moses' hands were laid on him. And today, this is the fifth key I want to give you on how to get wisdom. How to lay hold on divine wisdom. Focus on God's will. In this our wilderness journey, in this time of crisis and chaos, don't lust for other things. Don't get tempted and put in other directions. Focus on God's will. Get involved in soul winning. And you will see the divine wisdom of God function in your life. I want us to pray for souls this morning as we close. Matthew 9.37 Hallelujah. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. In this time of global crisis, the harvest truly is plentiful. But the disciples that are focused, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. This is where soul winning starts. It starts on our knees. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers into his harvest. Lift your voice with me this morning. Begin to pray for souls. Pray for those neighbors in that area where you live. Pray for your colleagues at work. Pray for your family members that you are not sure whether they are saved and they are on their way to heaven. Pray for souls. Father, we lift our voice and we ask you for souls that you will use us. You will anoint us with wisdom afresh like you anointed the early church to turn many to righteousness in our day. Come on, lift your voice and pray with me. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. Take a prayer posture. Let's pray that souls will be saved in our day. Keep praying, keep praying. Proverbs 10 and 5. He that gathers in the summer is a wise son. And we are applying this to soul winning. He that sleeps in the harvest, the harvest is plentiful. He that sleeps in the harvest is a son that causes shame. You will not be asleep in this season. You will be woke, you will be awake where soul winning is concerned. God will use you and God will use you to touch many lives and turn many to righteousness. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And the disciples of Jesus are rising up. In Jesus' name. It's interesting that Dr. K for weeks now has been talking to us about the art of discipleship making. I don't think it's a coincidence. That's who we are supposed to be. One more prayer point before we wrap up today and take communion. So get your communion elements ready. You will notice if you really read the book of Acts, particularly those first nine chapters, one other major secret that helped the early church in saving souls was an outbreak of miracles. There was an outbreak of the, of the supernatural and miracles. Acts chapter 5 verse 12. Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Um, another text said that with great power, the apostles did signs and wonders. Glory be to God. 
Hallelujah. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's word, verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. You read on, they said, I mean, they brought people from other cities so that as Peter passed by, his shadow may fall upon them. And people got miracles. Acts 6 and 8, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Acts 19, talking about the ministry of Apostle Paul. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Come on, lift your hands with me. Father, we pray for an outbreak of miracles in our midst and in your church, in our local assemblies, in Kingsword, everywhere, in the body of Christ all over the world, an outbreak of the miraculous, an outbreak of signs and wonders, an outbreak of testimonies. Let your power and your wisdom saturate your church and let there be a major outbreak. Kenda go sakaya la veregeda basha. Oh, shentakaya la begete. Yega la go sokota yala ganga de geda barakata yala basha. We give you praise, oh God. Oh, we give you praise. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station. First Bank Bus Stop of Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-00640.